Welcome to Beyond the Board, a podcast that explores the themes and real-life inspirations behind tabletop games. I'm Mike. And I'm Jake. And on today's expansion episode, we'll be discussing the game Ticket to Ride, New York. Now, you probably heard that other person on here. That's not Spencer. Well, I have a very special guest. His name is Jake, and he's my brother. Well, I guess I'm not that special. Well, I mean... You do have two others. That's true. I guess I can get one of those if you don't work out. <laughs> There's a replacement if this doesn't work out. At least two. Uh, so we're talking about Ticket to Ride, New York. Uh, you are a board game fan. I am. And you actually have never played Ticket to Ride. I have not, unfortunately. Which is very strange. Well, um, for all you board game listeners out there, Ticket to Ride, New York, is very similar to Ticket to Ride. Uh, it's just, just a lot smaller. So it's the same idea. Now, when you say expansion, is it a like direct expansion? Do you need the, the actual game in order to play it? No. So this one's a little bit different. This expansion, quote unquote, episode is not actually an expansion <gasps> of Ticket to Ride. Well, this is only our second one, so calm down, Jake. <laughs> uh, so it's not an expansion per se as more of just a, a, another version of ticket to ride okay uh but the information around this was very interesting and so i think it's just like a perfect thing to do an episode of beyond the board on so it's kind of a interesting sequel yeah it's a sequel to ticket to ride but it's like a very far sequel because they've done so many in between gotcha but what's really cool about this one it's not just a different map it's a much smaller map and games for ticket to ride typically go from 45 minutes to an hour this one can get done in 10 15 minutes oh okay because and and i think more of the strategy is blocking your opponents um in the shorter routes that you have to accomplish uh which makes it a lot more fun and a lot more approachable for a lot of people without having to sit down and play a full game of ticket to ride now would you say it would be a good introductory game to ticket to ride um like you could play this first and then maybe get into it or would it be better to play the other one first and then play this version? I think both. It, they're, they play very differently. Okay. Ticket to Ride, the normal one, you have a very long game that you're doing. So this one's right. like a shorter one. Yeah. Right. I just, I just know that, like, I, I wouldn't say it's, I don't know, it's simpler, but shorter games generally leave themselves to be more open for people to jump in easier. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I could do that. Okay. Sure. Well, in the theme of Ticket to Ride New York, since you're running around the city and you're using buses and, and cabs and subways to get around the New York City, the New York City. Uh, you, the New York City. The New York City. Not confused with the non-trademark New York City. Exactly. Yeah, it's trademark. We have to be very careful about that. <laughs> uh, so since, since th that is the theme of the game, we are going to actually be discussing a brief history, since this is an expansion episode, of getting around New York City. How do people get around New York City? No one does. Nobody <laughs> does. It's just gridlock constantly. <laughs> so what did they, I mean, you think about New York City, you think about the cabs, you think about the, the trains, you think about uh, the uh, buses, but what did they use before? Well, actually, uh, the first horse streetcar was operated in the 1830s in New York City. Uh, it was actually a streetcar that was on tracks that was being pulled by a horse along these like rails. So the technology alone had its issues, but the worst part about this was all the poop. <laughs> uh, okay, when you say all the poop, do you mean the poop from the horse or the poop in general because this is like early city life? No, this is mainly the poop from the horses. So okay. this, this poop uh, back in the first half of the 19th, uh, century, there was, there was 100,000 to 200,000 horses living in New York City. That's a lot of horses. Yes, and a typical horse around that time, probably around this time now too, now that I think about it, would 
poop an average of 22 pounds a day. A day? A day. That's a lot of poop. That's a lot of poop. Yeah, so it actually created like a health hazard uh, in the city of New York. Um, but yeah, it would just run along these courses. So that was a big problem when they had. So then how, when did cabs start showing up? Cabs, uh, I mean, of these horse-drawn carriages usually wore the way. And then obviously these horse-drawn trolleys, if you will, started popping up in New York City. So then they started making these cabs. And ever since they invented the horse, people wanted to get you from A <laughs> to point A <laughs> to point B. Good invention, the horse. Exactly. So uh, these companies began to innovate in the late 19th century and created gas-powered and steam-powered automobiles. But they failed to actually win over consumers because people were so used to these horse-drawn carriages until the electric cab actually came out. So it was the electric cab that convinced consumers that they needed an automobile to move them around, but they hated the electric cab so much that they eventually decided to just go with the gas-powered Why they hate the electric one so much? Because it, it would only go about... 11 miles a day <laughs> and they constantly had to stop and recharge because there were these old like the technology did not catch up oh yeah like electricity was just brand new <laughs> yeah, it did produce a lot less poop though it did produce much less poop so people eventually loved the gas-powered and steam-powered automobiles because they hated the electric car so much <laughs> it's it sounds kind of familiar to today yes <laughs> uh they actually still used the electric carriages in central park for a while near the end of this experiment if you will but eventually and, they all and they went back to horses and then they went back to horses because it's so much classier <laughs> they hate electric cars so much they went back to the poop horses exactly <laughs> so uh so new york city started getting really serious in 1937 laguardia uh, actually signed an act establishing the system of taxi medallions and these are the official licenses for the New York City ah. cabs. That's why you always see those little medallions on the front of yellow cabs in New York City. There were only about a little less than 14,000 issued. And there still actually only is 14,000 existing. So there's a limited amount of cabs that are out there. They're just the medallions keep getting changed over to new cars. Wow, and I, didn't know went, I didn't know one part that bad. I went, didn't know it went back that far yeah that's when it started 1937 and they only cost ten dollars each to get a medallion and so this was like an official taxi cab um now fun fact they are worth one hundred and sixty thousand dollars. <laughs> why are the cabs so bad <laughs> <laughs> well this is interesting if so, you have that much money in order for one medallion you think you'd have better cabs <laughs> well it's funny because actually i was looking at the history of them and cabs used to be like luxury. They used to be these beautiful, large cabs. And like, it was all about traveling in these cabs. It was the 1970s. They became these grungy, nasty things. <laughs> and they, they brought the poop back. Exactly. They brought the poop back, <laughs> but it was all inside the cab. Uh, so they're worth about $160,000 today. However, in 2013, they were worth $1.3 million each. For, for each one. medallion. Oh, my. But they dropped dramatically because of Uber and Lyft. Ah. Since they started coming out, everything dropped. And now, like, a bunch of really rich investors are investing in buying these back since they're cheaper, quote, unquote, now. So Kind of collector's items, I guess? Yeah, well, I think, I think the... they're waiting for this whole... Because in New York, there's a, there's a big problem right now where a lot of cab drivers are complaining about Uber and Lyft. I mean, everywhere, pretty much. Right. But... The big thing is they bought these medallions for like $30,000 at the time. So the legislation still... 
processing what to do about this. The medallion gives them the exclusive right to taxi people in New York. But now Uber and Lyft come through and they don't have to pay anything. So there's a big issues when it comes to that kind of stuff. So, yeah. So, so I think they're thinking that it might come back on the rise where taxis are just in New York and they get rid of ride sharing systems. We'll see. We don't know. But, um, but I'm going to let you talk for a little bit. I think you've got some fun information for me. I do have some fun information about actually something that was a kind of a really interesting idea, but never really got off the ground. Okay. And it was kind of the precursor to the subway system. Okay. And, and by precursor, I mean, like, uh, I know you have some information on when the subway system, when, when, when did the subway system go in? Uh, officially in 1904. 1904, yeah. This predates the subway system by a couple... Almost forty years. Like it's it went in. This went in in 1870. Whoa. Yeah. So this is like, like, people were still alive from the Civil War at this point. That's how far back this went. So wait, what is this? <laughs> this is actually it's called the Beach Pneumatic Transit. Do you know why it's called the Beach Pneumatic Transit? No. No, it does not go to the beach. Okay. It's I actually named assuming. after a guy named Alfred Eli Beach. Like B E E C H. No, it's B E A C H. Oh, okay. So it's still spelled the same way. It just this happened to be his name, and uh, he like he had this design for a pneumatic transit system. And I don't know if you know what a pneumatic transit system is, but basically it's it's powered off suction. So basically it's it's a car. Oh, like um like the little tubes in the mail. Exactly. Oh. In fact, that's connected to this. Oh, okay. <laughs> Interestingly enough, um, well, let me explain what the uh, pneumatic the pneumatic tube is. Basically, it's the car sits inside this uh, a tube that's sealed all around, and there are two gigantic fans at either end of the tube. And basically, it pushes and sucks the car from one point to the other in the thing. So it's, the car itself isn't powered. It's all air-powered. Wow. So uh, he had the idea of building a transit system under the ground to people to get back and forth like a subway system, but it would all be air-powered through, the, through these cars. He had the technology to do it. But he had issues like trying to get it put in because I don't know if you heard of uh, Boss Tweed. He was kind of like he was kind of like uh, this big political entity in New York that uh, kind of controlled a lot of things. He was very corrupt. But anyway, he wasn't a big fan of the idea. So in order to get like kind of get in there and start working on this thing, he proposed the idea of the pneumatic mail system, which you see in all these like old time shows and everything. Mm-hmm. That was Beach's idea. But it was really just there so he can start groundwork on the actual rail system. Because when he finally got the permit, he made an addendum so he can put in at least one track line to start working on this thing to kind of show it off and say, hey, this is a great idea. We should do it. So he gets the he gets the line built. And the thing itself is has only one terminal. It's opened it, uh, in 1870. It only has one terminal. And it's basically kind of almost an attraction at this point. People get in at the terminal, they go all the way up to the end of the line, and they come back and get back out in the same spot. <laughs> it didn't go anywhere. But basically, he he used it to kind of show it off, say, hey, this is how we can get people more investors and things like that. And there, the, only, the, the price for admission was a small donation, which would go to orphans and sailors and uh, Union War vets from the Civil War. So he kind of used it as kind of like a big publicity sort of thing to kind of build on the project itself. Unfortunately, since it didn't have too much backing, the public loved it. The public absolutely loved it, but political backing was low as well as like there was a stock market crash and everything's so a lot of investors pull out. So mm. it only lasted for about three years and it was closed down in 1873. 
and its whereabouts were actually lost for a good while. <laughs> and it was actually only found again in 1912 when they started work on the uh, Broadway subway line. Oh. They actually broke into the tunnel and found it there. And uh, they found an old one of the old train system, uh, one of the old trains so was kind of disintegrating and stuff, but they found one of the old trains there, and even a piano inside the waiting room area where they can entertain people. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, and actually, like, if you pay attention, it's actually in some. Like, it doesn't exist anymore. You can't find it anymore because the subway lines have been put in and destroyed. But it does exist in some popular culture. It's actually in Ghostbusters too. It's where the river of slime is flowing through. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah. So it, it was a failed attempt, but it was kind of the precursor to the modern subway. Yeah. In New York. That's amazing. Which I believe you have more information on. Yeah, I do. Wow, that's really cool. So so in the scene for Ghostbusters, is that like that's just the actual that's the little route that they dug out? Is that where they it, it, the scene in Ghostbusters is a recreated tunnel. Like when they when they break in, like I think Ray oh. starts talking about it's the old pneumatic line and so that's the thing. It doesn't ex actually exist anymore, but that's the track of the river of slime. Is that's that's, is going through the old pneumatic lines. That's another excuse which, to watch that movie again. Which honestly wouldn't make too much sense because it didn't go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Unless everyone decided just going back and forth and having a grand old time. Childhood ruined. Childhood ruined. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm bursting holes in our in the fantasy world of Ghostbusters. All right. So the subway we know and love. Uh, love is a strong term. <laughs> that river of slime's there for a reason. Uh, <laughs> it was hate slime. Remember, that was hate slime. That's right. Uh, so so the the subway we know. Uh, actually, <laughs> it, it it officially opened in 1904, and the Interborough Rapid Transit is what it was called, and it initially covered 9.1 miles of track and 28 stations between City Hall and 145th Street. And then the very next year, uh, this is just a little side note, in 1905, the first gasoline-powered buses in America began running along Fifth Avenue. Oh. Yeah, interesting. Um, so New York City uh, eventually approves the expansion of a bunch of subway lines owned both by the Independent Rapid Transit, which created the first one, and another company called the Brooklyn Rapid Transit Company. And this all happened in 1913. And this added 100, this was uh, the approval of the expansion, which added 123 miles of track to the subway system. Then almost 40 years after the approval of the newly expanded system, the city takes over the subway system and actually purchases the Interborough Rapid Transit Company and the failing Brooklyn Manhattan Transit Corporation. And uh, so now the city owns the whole system. Gotcha. And so now they can control it. So in 1953, they created the New York City Transit Authority and to manage and, uh, the, and to manage and operate the system as well as the buses. So the subway and the buses are now owned by or controlled by the city with this one company. And then eventually, the Metropolitan Transit Author Transportation Authority, the MTA, which if you go nowadays, you get your little MTA card, that was formed about 15 years after the sh New York City Transit Authority. Got so many acronyms. There's a test on this. Yes, thing. there's a test on this later. <laughs> so basically, they created the MTA to be a parent company of the NYCTA, <laughs> which I feel like they should just change the name. I of think it they should just combine all the acronyms together. So it's like the NYTA, T-A-C-C-T-A-T-A-T-T-T-A-T-A-T-T barbecue. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Oh, I got it. I got it. Perfect. It was like Gattaca. Test passed. 
So that's basically uh, that's basically the the very brief history of the the New York City uh, transit system, I guess you could say, including cabs and 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 trains and stuff. Uh, I don't have much else. This is supposed to be a very quick episode, but I had a lot of fun doing it with you. <laughs> you um, didn't cover the monorails on the bridges. <laughs> no. For those going to New Jersey. <laughs> so so it's really interesting. There's a lot of other facts about like when the bridges were made and yes. and like the the tunnels and there's there's so much more we can go in depth. New York City is a very interesting city just in like how it's been constructed because it was basically it was like it was built on top and then built below and then built on top again. Mm-hmm. So it just became like, it's basically a cyborg city. It was like, there's no land left. It's just all like cons- construction now. Eventually it'll fly off into space. Yes. <laughs> um, so if you like what you heard today uh, and let us know uh, in a review, uh, if you want Jake back, let us know too. Uh, so or if you want to try out one of the other brothers. <laughs> yeah, my brother, my brother, my brother. And me. Yeah, that's that's too many brothers, and it's already another podcast. Um, so go ahead and leave a review if you guys like what you heard. Um, you can also get in contact with me at beyondtheboardpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find uh, Spencer and I on Instagram at WizBotGames. And Jake, did you have something to plug? I do, actually. I am also a uh, comic artist. No I don't know way. If yeah. I don't know if you've heard the uh, the advertisements on here every once in a while for Battlements the comic. I'm actually the one of the writers and artists for that. You can go check that out. It's at uh, www.battlementscomic.com. And it's a fun jaunt into fantasy. Neat. If we ever want to check out your own like private art, where do we go? Yeah, if you want to check out my private art, it is at Jake... Uh, I, no, sorry. It's at J Reman R I E M A N Art dot com. Mm. So I'm working on the website, trying to get a little more up, kind of build up some, actually put a spot in there for doing commissions and everything. So cool. Keep an eye out for that. Neat. Uh, yeah. So uh, if you want to find anything else as far as games and updates and everything, you can find us on our home on the web at wizbotgames.com. And until then, watch where you step inside and out of the cab. <laughs> This podcast has been produced in association with the Nerdalogs. To find out more about the Nerdalogs and their shows, visit www.nerdalogs.com or facebook.com slash nerdalogs. Thanks for listening. <laughs>